Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everybody, Kyle Maloney here, the co-host of the Savage to Sage podcast. Um, I have the privilege of having Doug Allgood, the president and CEO of Black Inc. IT for the past 10 years on the podcast. Doug comes with us as the president and CEO, but also has extensive ex- leadership experience in various industries across his career. Doug, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. So um, if you could, could you kind of share with me a concise bio of kind of the company that you you know bought um, and kind of your work history that's kind of led you to where you are today? Well, so I, I started out really with a, a focus on technology in my undergrad and then working on my master's. And all of it was around how do you bring value with technology into a business? I really cared about how businesses make money, how sales teams work, um, how operations can automate things that would, that would actually take less resource than the resources before. And so I got the privilege of working for a number of larger Fortune 100 companies. And through the process of working in those organizations and taking on more responsibility, it allowed me to experiment with that and in part kind of live into bringing that technology mindset, if you will, into those organizations. And um, everything from, you know, how do you monitor a tank? For a chemical company that is at a customer location and bring a service by saying, "Hey, we'll refill that tank for you. We'll just keep we'll just keep that chemical topped off. You don't have to worry about reorder points. We'll just monitor it. it gets to a certain level. We know when we got to send another rail car and and drop that off. Right? Well, that brings value to the business, both businesses, right? And so you have this nice win win relationship, and it becomes pretty sticky. You know, you're you're actually controlling now those reorder points. Those types of things were really fun for me to, to look into and then how to take advantage of some of that technology to achieve that. And um, you know, my journey with Black Ink started by having a CEO of, of what was then Beringer Mannheim, um, is now Roche, right? And knowing that uh, CEO and him asking me to assist him with another med device company he had and working with a son who ran Black Ink, and through that period of time, I got to know his son and, and then uh, was asked to come on board and run the company in January of 14. And prior to that, worked with the IEDC, right, to kind of think about the investments we were making and how those investments would bring value to the state of Indiana. And then, you know, look for what benefits both of us may gain from that. So I started as, as really the fourth employee in uh, 2014. And uh, over a two-year period of time, working with the founder, right, um, acquired the business, and we moved the company to the location we are today at um, at 16th Street and the Monon Trail, right above Provider Coffee. Just a really cool old building. Great location. Oh yeah, and and right, that was just such a blessing, right? Because we work with Colliers. Um, they're, by the way, I'll just put a pitch in for Colliers. They are just a great organization to kind of help on the commercial real estate side. And, you know, we got a chance to see a lot of different space, but they really liked this one said, Hey, you've got to see it. Right. 
and envision what it could be, not what it is today. Because you know, you're taking a step ladder up and you can see the slats through the third floor down, right? It's an old manufacturing facility. And um, it was just a lot of fun. It's like, okay, what could this thing be over a period of time? And I'm so glad we did. We've got a great view of downtown. We've got a great you know, location that's just emerged. And so it's just been a fun place to work and then engage in the community here too, right? So there's just so much richness came from that. And I just feel like we were fortunate to get it. That's why I kind of look at it as a blessing, not something that it, you know, we had the foresight into. It was really just seeing at the right time and, and being able to work out a deal with the owners. Well, my wife would be so jealous that you're under Provoker <laughs> Coffee. I tell you what, that's like one of her favorites. Oh, yeah. Well, and Brian, who runs the uh, event center, right? Tinker House Events, you know, we get a chance to host things down there too, right? It's just, like I said, it's been a great community and a great place for us to be. That's great. So for those that don't know about, you know, Black Ink IT, can you kind of give me uh, a synopsis of what you guys do, kind of what type of problem that you're solving? Interesting. You know, what? one of the things I learned kind of running IT within some of those other businesses is that people see IT as this such a broad area, right? I would be in a conference room in the early days and somebody would say, you know, hey, the projector's not working or the video conference equipment's not working. Doug, you know, you're in IT, could you fix it? And I'd be kind of like, you know, asking an attorney who specializes in environmental, right, to be a, you know, run a civil suit, right? Um, you know, so we kind of have to define what is what is the level of IT, right, that organizations are looking for. And so much of what they think about is software, you know, developing SaaS-based systems. When I tell people, you know, I work in a technology company, they're thinking, you know, some sort of a, of a software as a service organization and you're downloading an app or you're doing something. Black Ink, we focus on the infrastructure that all of that is used to support those systems. And so when we're working inside of a business, we're, we're, we care about their networks, we care about the cloud, how they connect, we care about the endpoint devices, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a laptop, right? Those are the things that we're managing. And when I say manage, because we proactively look at that and say, if you don't do the right things, if you don't maintain them the right way, implement them the right way, kind of have the right vision for how do you do it so it just works, then, then they're going to fail a lot. And so we've gotten, you know, our expertise has grown up there as to the kind of care and feeding and managing that environment so it just works. And so we say our mission is keeping our clients, our employees, and the community around us safe and productive, safe from a security standpoint and productive such that that stuff just works for them, right, and their business. Oh, that makes tons of sense. That's great. Like, I mean, I'm always curious about this. Like, I mean, you've been specifically with this company for the past 10 years. How has this changed in the past five years? Like kind of what you did five years ago and how important is what you're serving, what you're doing right now, serving the local community and businesses around Indiana and, you know, maybe across the, across the country? You know, one of the things that we've seen change is the, the type of support we provide the type of, you know, management services. So, you know, there was a point in time five years ago where a lot of the stuff, you know, you just kind of glue it together. A single person could do many aspects of it, right? 
And in some ways, it's it's gotten simpler. I mean, I love I love my iPhone, right? It's just so simple. And and working with some of those devices, you know, we just kind of know these apps and and they work really well together. What we don't see is all the things that could go wrong behind the scenes that make those things come together. And so what's really changed is on one hand, the new systems that are cloud-based and you just kind of dial, you know, you log in over a browser, right? And you use these systems has simplified. On the other hand, they've gotten more complex because you've got to, you've got to make all of those systems work together. And so we've had to change the way we think, right? The other thing that's, that's changed a bunch is privacy laws and regulatory standards and things like cyber insurance that organizations have to have and dealing with breaches and viruses that attack their... So between the security aspects and the complexity of how these applications work together, that's the piece that we've had to kind of change our, our way of thinking, right? And to make sure that we architect solutions that are clean, work well together, and become stable. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thanks for kind of putting that outline. I can really see kind of the, the change and transition there within the past five years. So you've had all of this extensive experience within Fortune 100 companies in your past. Kind of what made you want to be employee number three in a, in a startup? You know, can you talk about kind of the interest in kind of stepping on board on that? And what kind of was, what was the motivating factors? I'd be curious. Yeah, you know, um, we laughed at that, you know, first year or two, right? We were kind of planning our future and what we can do with the organization. And we felt like a 25-year-old startup, right? Because it's, you know, there were a lot of things that we had in place that worked really well. And, you know, things that the founder had done that had figured out, right? And technologies that we were using that were so solid. But with all these changes, it's like, well, how do you pivot? And now how do you scale? And, Scaling the business is a little bit different, right? So how do we create processes? At the same time this was happening, PricewaterhouseCoopers published in 2015 an article around how companies like Black Inc. could be the um, hub and spoke model to creating a cybersecurity event for organizations. In other words, we have all the credentials for each of the companies that we help manage their their infrastructure, right? We have the credentials to the firewalls, to the cloud systems, to all these different things. And so if a uh, organization was able to breach and get inside of Black Inc., how might that impact? At the same time, Homeland Security even issued a number of warnings. That really affected me because one of the reasons, to get back to your kind of other earlier question, one of the reasons why I really wanted to be part of Black Inc. and to take these things I knew is I, I felt for businesses thinking, okay, I've got all this great training that I've been a part of, all these great services that these organizations brought and I got a chance to participate with, how do I make those real into a small business? And not only just for Black Inc. and the employees so that they feel like, yeah, I'm getting enterprise thinking there, but how do we bring that enterprise thinking to the small and medium-sized businesses we support? And many of them, the company had had for 10 or 15 years, now 20-some years, right? Now that I've I look at these organizations and, you know, you create a family type relationship with these folks, right? And you care about them. So how do I protect them? And then how do we bring this kind of enterprise thinking while at the same time doing it at a price point that they can afford? 
you know, for me personally, it was this kind of journey about, okay, I feel like I've got these things. I care about people and I care about these employees. So then I feel like, okay, how do I become a good steward of the things I know? And I had heard somebody say, you know, a legacy, if you're going to create a legacy, it's about the people that you're investing in. And that really resonated with me. So for me personally, it's like, okay, how do I invest in the people that I'm kind of part of, right? Not only just the employees that come and spend time at Black Ink and invest in them, but how do I invest in and also those other businesses as we help them, you know, on their own journey for scalability? For scale for us, that first two years and that Price Waterhouse, Price Waterhouse Coopers article and, and the Homeland Security warnings, right? We invested heavily in process and defining our processes and developing standard operating procedures that we could count on that then as we recruit and bring new people on board, right, that we can automate and then begin to scale. That's That was a huge part of the investment we had in the first, I would say, four or five years of my time here at Black Inc. And, and, and the, I'm just, this is, we're just kind of reflecting on kind of, you know, full stack a little bit here because we're kind of in a, in a scale up mode. For you, as being part of established companies before, what was the transition for you to kind of take a, be with an organization that was kind of like, you know, I'll say startups are like, they're scrappy, right? They, they do what they have to do to kind of get going. They maybe, you know, flutter their wings a couple of time, and then they essentially have to kind of like continue a consistent flight plan as they kind of scale up, right? So for you, I imagine just all of, uh, and maybe you can speak into this, but all of the consistencies that you saw previously within your career and kind of the, the larger companies that you had a, been a part of, was that kind of your bedrock that you used to take uh, specifically with uh, Black Ink IT to kind of help them scale up? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that there's an element of some of the things that I had learned. Um, and in part, a, a few of those had to do with quality and, and, and process control, right? At the same time, what I love about the entrepreneurial component, and we, we still... <laughs> We still have to be entrepreneurial thinking. Like one of the three core values we have at Black Ink is ingenuity. I mean, we're constantly reinventing things, right? And just like a startup, you're pivoting until you, you know, see what the value generation is going to be for your market that you're serving. We're having to do the same things. It's like, okay, how do we automate? How do we pivot? But there were some foundational components like, you know, not only just having a process, but we had this saying at Black Ink called the one to 100 rule, right? In other words, you know, if you ship a product too soon, the, the cost that it's going to have in the marketplace, right, when it gets to a customer, it could be a hundred, a thousand fold, right? Dealing with that the whole management team getting involved, you know, working with that client through the issues. If, if you catch it early stage, right, before you've released it, but after you've designed it and you're kind of in that testing phase, right, well, then there's, it's still pretty high cost. But if you can catch it early on, like understanding what the problem is that you're trying to solve, maybe some early design, you know, frameworks that you're pulling together, well, then that's the least expensive time to do it. So that one to 100 rule was about what it could cost if things get out into the market. 
and the fear of that, right? Because I saw that happen in several organizations I'd been in that, you know, took having 90% market share on a product and getting down to 47%. I mean, those were huge shifts, right? And it all happened because a product got into the market too soon. And so timing some of this stuff was important. But then teaching the staff that thinking, right? How do we understand the client's needs early on? Make sure that we're kind of doing a little bit of a review checkpoint, not slow us down to the point where it becomes bureaucratic, right? None of that, but but certainly that kind of pause. Let's make sure we're thinking things through and know what the ramifications are. Well, now that's got huge scalability to it, right? So those thinking kind of components, right? We also implemented one we call our plus delta, right? How do we at the end of doing some work or the end of a meeting or even visiting with a client at the end, pause and say, hey, tell us what we ought to continue to do that you love, that you think brings value to your business, right? Just It's just helpful to know what what's a plus, right? But then also, and in fact, my personality, I'm more interested in knowing the deltas, right? What would you change about what we're doing that we can deliver better results, right? We can deliver even more value to your business or internally that, you know, would help the accounting team or the sales team, right? We're, we're working together. What's going to bring, you know, about a change that enables all of us to work better together and have fun doing it, right? And so to me, that plus delta was one of those things I grabbed early on, right? And these kinds of concepts is, you know, we try to put names to them, right? These are the concepts that we tried to bring in that I kind of consider more enterprise thinking and scalability. That's great. That's great. I love it. The enterprise thinking into kind of a startup. It's to me, that's just kind of laying the foundation for scale up, right? Just, it's just really is. So that's just really neat. You know, as you think about like kind of your journey, what was been one of like maybe your, you know, biggest professional or personal test um, as you've served in multiple leadership roles and how did it become a teacher to you? You know, seeing people leave that you really care about and you're like, I really, I see such, you know, vision for this person, right? And they're so strategic and, and knowing yet at the same time, it's going to make sense, right? Maybe their spouse took another position in a different part of the country, but you know, there's some life change event or, you know, they just feel like their career needs to take that, that, that was hard not to take that personal, but yeah, kind of see that and celebrate it. That to me personally was, was kind of tough, right? Because you invest a lot in the people and you care about them. And, um, and sometimes it totally makes sense. Right. And so I've had to change my thinking to really go, you know what? I can't hold on to anything really hard. You know, Corey Tim Boone says, the harder you to hold on to something, the more painful it is to pry your fingers open to let it go, right? And I've kind of had to loosely hold on to those things and just say, okay, you know what? It's going to be, you know, things are things are going to come up. I've just got to do what I can do to try to take care of staff. And and the same thing goes when we lose a client, right? It's it's hard. You 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 want to take it personal, and yet at the same time, I'm going to look at it and say, okay, right? I can't hold on to this too tight. I've got to learn from it. And then, and then move forward. Those have been harder things for me to learn in this kind of time with, because they have such a big impact, right? You know, bigger organization, I had 500 staff, you know, okay, you're going to lose some people now and then you just kind of know some of that, but man, it's when you're early stage, right. And you're, and you're growing, 
and you get investments, it's it's hard, right? So yeah. And for me personally, it was good to have it was good to have relationships and friends. I mean, to me, we talk about the community at Black Inc., but to me, there's a community of other, you know, business leaders that I get the pleasure to be a part of. And there's just people meeting for coffee, right? And learning from them, man, it's just it's great, right? Because you get a chance to dialogue, you get a chance to kind of share, you know, the struggles that you're having, and then to get some fresh ideas or some encouragement now and then, or, or like, Doug, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, no wonder that happened, right? And it's like, okay, you know, I'm glad I have these friendships of people that can tell me exactly how it is, right? And just be very authentic with. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I mean, so I've done probably probably 50 to 75 podcasts and it's a consistent theme. One of the biggest things for people that are running companies is having peer groups is just so imperative. Even if it's debriefing, if it's working through things, if it's just encouragement, it's just, it's so helpful to have, you know, kind of other people that you can go to um, as you're serving in that capacity. So yeah, I just I just want to echo that. Like, so good. One of the things that is is typically talked about, and this is this is generally different for somebody that's pretty seasoned in their career. They've been a you know president or a CEO of a company. You know, anything plus five plus years. If you're in that zero to five realm, for the most part, I, I want to say you're still sweating. You know, <laughs> but. When you get past, you know, five plus, you've kind of gone through enough storms that you've solidified a bit. Um, one of the things that we recognize is that, you know, the potential burnout rate is really high because the demands are really high when you're running a company, right? But one of the things that questions we like to ask on the podcast is, what are proactive ways that you like to fuel or inspire yourself as you lead a blacking? Well, to me, it does go back partly to that peer group, but, um, you know, we had, um, Advisa, uh, come in, Heather Haas has got a great organization that she's developed. And, and so we asked them to help us with some leadership work, right? And the first thing they wanted to do was an assessment. And so they came in and, you know, talked to our staff and, and worked through some things. And one of the things that the staff noticed is that, you know, myself and maybe one or two others of us that have been here a while, right? Didn't seem to take much time off. Didn't seem to take the weekends off, right? And, you know, in, in reflection, it's it's back to a lot of things we know. I mean, I've got five kids. They're a lot better at picking up on what I do than what I say, right? We all know that to be true. And here I am, you know, talking about family is important, talking about, you know, relationships are important that you got to take time and all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't modeling it very well. So in all honesty, I've, I've done, I've been working at modeling that better, letting some things go, right? We've been working on succession planning. We've been working on kind of future org chart model designs, right? You know, what roles are we going to have so that people can envision where they can go within the organization? And, and what's been helpful about that and this assessment about, you know, staff saying, hey, Doug, you know, you talk about this stuff, but, you know, are you living that, you know, which is having a more balanced, you know, work life, right? And so, you know, I, I just got back from Aruba. I've, I've taken some other vacation here recently and it's been helpful, right? Because you do need to get a getaway sometimes and some of my creative juices and ideas 
come from that, you know, being able to get away and see other circumstances. In addition to these different groups, right, that I get to be a part of, right, to get similar, similar feedback. Yeah, no, that's great. That's totally great. Yeah. Okay. So you talked a little bit about like, hey, it's a big, it's a big kind of like loss for if somebody leaves an organization. But when you're, when you're thinking about hiring people, what are, you know, what are some things that you're looking for? How do you like, when you're looking for somebody like, hey, I, I want these people to understand the why behind our ethos at Black Inc. IT. So what tools do you use to kind of assess that? Or, you know, what does that process look like for you? Yeah, well, I, I do think bringing in help. I mean, just like we bring help into organizations, right? Full Stack brings help into organizations. Um, you know, I had a, a peer that I used to work with, John Sarn, who works with the uh, Kinsley Group come in and do a whole session with us a couple of different times, right, around our interviewing practices. What are things that we need to do, right? And Heather, some some work that, you know, advises done too, right, in terms of our leadership development for the staff and how we think about this. Certainly, Lindsay Eleni's book, The Ideal Team Player, you know, is a classic, right? I mean, you know, looking for people who are hum, humble, hungry, and smart. But how do we translate that into also looking at the core values that are important to Black Inc.? So I will say that, you know, the work that John Sarn did with the Kinsley Group, right, where we leaned into is to say, these are our values. These are the things that become important. Now, how do we get better at interviewing? Because we know when you're interviewing with somebody, they're at their best that day, right? I mean, second interview, same thing, right? They're at their best. And we can try, try kind of crazy, you know, Things like uh, taking them to Walmart for a shopping trip, you know, <laughs> saying I got to pick something up and see how they respond to those moments, right? But it, it's not always easy. It's not very scalable either, right? And so, you know, we've honed our questions. And, and in all sincerity, we are looking for individuals that care about customer service, care about excellence, care about humanity. So, you know, our three core values are humanity, excellence, and ingenuity, and humanity is this thing about seeing people as people. In fact, once we hire them, you know, we kind of do a book club and we get a group of them together and they're going to read Leadership and Self-Deception because one of the concepts that come through the Arbinger group on leadership and self-deception is, is this notion of I can see people as an object, right? They're going to classify of one of three things, right? They're either in my way, so I'm going to do everything I can to discredit them, make them look bad. There's somebody I need, so I just use them, right? Or somebody that's just irrelevant. I don't, even, I don't even care who they are, right? If they tripped and fell, I just walk on, right? It's kind of like the classic somebody, you know, in high school drops all their papers and everybody just kind of walks on by. And yet the person that stoops over and steps in and wants to help pick that up is seeing that person as an individual, right? Less as an object. And so that's what we're trying to to, to do is to find people that care about those things and want to be a part of that type of a team where, you know, they feel enriched by the people they work with. They feel encouraged by the people they work with. And then if we can dial into that, we feel like we can train people on just about anything, right? But if we get those characteristics, then to me, that's the best starting point for us. And that's kind of the, the journey we've been on with that process. We still make mistakes, right? But but by and large, it's gotten so much better. That's great. And what? tell me a little bit about the process defining those three things. 
The three core values, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. did, did it take a while to kind of iron those out or, you know, from your past experience, it's like, hey, this is this is what I think our secret sauce is going to be when it comes to our team? Well, there were a few of them that were personal to me, right? But um, But we had six. We came down to these three, right? You know, some people have nine signal, you know, all these things, right? And and so then it was like, okay, realistically, how do you really develop, you know, nine core values or you know, right? So we decided to simplify it and and we brought the staff together and we spent time talking about what's important, right? What are the things that as you've been a part of this team at Black Ink that you appreciate, that you like, that's important. And so we we took our core values and remodeled them to the three that I just talked about. And we completed that exercise last summer, right? And now, you know, the staff, right, that was a part of that feel a lot more bought in to those elements. And then now we continue to talk and revisit those, right? What, what are things that become examples of that? Because part of what we like to do is we have this thing called bravos when we get a staff meeting together, right? Who, who do you want to give a bravo to? That's an employee, right? Another peer that says, look how they're living into this value, right? So the more we do that, the more, you know, people see, okay, yeah, that's that they're living into this value, right? And this is something that they did to do that. And how do we celebrate that? So it's not only reinforcing it, but I hope it's making everybody feel like they're part of it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, so the, uh, one of the groups that I was a part of early in my career and which is one of the reasons why I joined the organizations that I joined, uh, we had a, an entire week of meetings, okay? And the entire purpose of it was to rip apart our mission, vision, and values to kind of say, is this good? How is it reflective? And just kind of like, because we value this, what does that mean for that? And I tell you, after that week, I've never been more bought into an organization in my entire life. And say, okay, this is it forever, you know, because I just knew exactly what I was joining, why we were doing what we were doing, and it was so important and so impactful. So I love it. I love that you do that. Yeah, you know, the um, each year I try to spend, you know, try to either, you know, meet for coffee, take a walk down the mountain, on, easy to go down to provider, right? But but I try to get a one-on-one time with each employee. And part of what I'm asking is, okay, are, are we really doing this, right? Do you feel like I'm, you know, be critical, right? Get, give me that delta, right? What are the things that we need to do that make this experience at Black Ink better for you? And what are the things, and, and I've gotten great feedback, right? Not everybody is comfortable being as authentic as I wish they would, right? So I continue to have to work on how I approach that. But but I want them to feel like they could be very transparent with me and talk about, you know, what are we, what are we not doing, right? That will make your experience here better. And so to me, it's, it's those moments that I feel like we're trying to have this impact. When I say, you know, it's like, how do you leave a legacy? It's about investing in people. And so to me, it's like, are we doing that well, right? Is the leadership team doing that well? Am I, you know, the reason why certain things aren't happening like, you know, people aren't feeling comfortable taking vacation, right? Because Doug's not taking vacation. So those are the kinds of things that, you know, I try to do. But like I said, we're still, (laughs) 
it's still an experiment, right? And I'm still eager to learn and uh, energized by, by learning from them. Oh, that's great. That's great. If you were, okay, if we're, if we're going to just kind of like, let's focus specifically here at Black Ink. Like, what have you learned as far as that evolution, you know, being the, being the president, the CEO, you know, your personal journey, what has kind of been some things that you've learned along leading that company? One of the things that you begin to see, right, is what are gaps in the market, right? So that's been kind of a, an interesting aspect. What are gaps? I've already kind of shared enough to say, what do you learn about yourself? Because I've learned a lot about myself, right? And fear of man, fear of failure, all those things, right? And how that drives us. But I also think it, it's one of those things where I feel like I see individuals that, you know, where they were maybe five years ago and where they are today. And what I'm hoping is, is that these are impacts that are kind of move on for them, right? That meaning that they feel like they're learning and getting experiences they need, but also they're getting a chance to kind of grow in the areas they want to grow. And that's still the area I care a lot about, right? How do I provide experiences, even sometimes giving them chances to do things that, okay, right? I mean, they expressed an interest in something. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's try it, right? And yet at the same time, there's months where you're not making money and you're like, okay, you know, we can ex only experiment so much, right? How do you, I still struggle with that balance, right? It's like, it's not about the money, but it is about the money, right? I mean, you have to, you have to be able to have profit because that's what keeps all of us here. But at the same time, we care more about these other things and you just kind of hope the profit comes along, right? I mean, that's actually been more of the mindset I've had, um, which is probably not the, you know, investor mindset, right? <laughs> right. It's more, you know, typical, give me X return. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're not hitting 30% EBITDA, Doug, you know, yeah. <laughs> you've, you've missed it. I know you got 29, two years in a row, right? So, um, and, and, you know, private equity is needed, right? You got to have those things out there, but I've been actually blessed that we didn't have to do that. Right. In fact, sometimes I feel like that gets celebrated so much, how much money, you know, a company got and they, you know, Hey, we did a round and we got another whatever. And I'm just thinking you just liquidated, you know, X number of people. Right. Um, and how does, how's that help the employees long-term? It's just a lot of things, but thinking about what I can control, it's like, okay, how do we give people opportunities? How do we grow into some areas? Right. And yet still have this right balance between making enough money that, that we can survive and then let that money fuel R and D for other growth opportunities. Yeah. That's lovely. That's totally lovely. Say there's somebody on this podcast that's maybe 23, 24, has an idea, thinking about starting their business, you know, has some schooling to kind of maybe back growing their business. What kind of sage advice would you give to somebody that's just starting out and potentially thinking about starting their own business, et cetera? You know, I think it's going to be important for them and anybody else that's in their life to get together and talk about the why, to have a really uh, solid, you know, my wife was so great at, because yeah, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to leave what I'm doing that was making more money to go do something that's high risk and I'm going to make less money, right? You got to have a conviction about why am I doing this? And it's, and it's, it can't be about making a bunch of money, Right. 
it's it's got to be personal. It's got to be something that they really want to do and they're really driven to because there are days it gets lonely, it's hard. You're thinking about payroll, you're thinking about all these things that you've got to do. And if you don't have that why to look through as kind of that true north of, you know, how am I staying on the path, right? And I'm not going to let this down. And I'm not talking about adjusting and pivoting because of market demands. That's going to happen. That's that's just part of, you know, starting a business. But I'm talking about whether you're going to stay in it or not, right? Because those first couple of years are going to be hard. So, you know, you got to know I'm doing this for this reason and and I'm bought into that, right? And anybody that's with you, you know, whether it's a significant other or others that are supporting you, have that same kind of what we're all in this, right? And this is what we're why we're doing this, right? Because you're going to reflect on that. You're going to need those, right? <laughs> it's got to be a good why. It's got to be a good why. <laughs> it's got to be a good why. It can't just be because, hey, I think this is going to be the easiest way to go make a lot of money, right? Because if you know if you if you read books like uh, Crossing the Chasm and you look at all the statistics of how many startups fail, right? You got to realize, you know, and failure and success are like together. They're right there, right? I mean, you can't have one without the other. You you can't have success without failure. So you're going to be failing, and yet you're going to have success. And if you aren't in agreement for that and know that that's coming. It, it's going to get really tough. And that's where I think, you know, depression rates go up and and all kinds of bad things can happen. Yeah, you, you can't really hide. In startup world, you can't hide. There's nothing to hide from. It's it's out. <laughs> you smack dab in your face every day, you know? No, it can't be these people we read about that have three full-time jobs in these <laughs> large organizations, right? That are employed full-time, three, and they're working at home, right? No, you can't. They're hiding, right? I mean, Go figure, but whatever, right? But I look at that and go, no, you're right. <laughs> it's all there. Every day, your your success is based on what you got up and did. And you've got to be, <laughs> you got to be all in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Doug, it's been such a prev- privilege having you on the podcast. If people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, right? Or you could uh, reach out at dallgood at blackinkit.com. Awesome. Yeah, I do get a lot of jokes on the uh, it's all good part, but that's okay, right? (laughs) Honestly, I'm silly. I wouldn't even guess that, but... (laughs) (laughs) I can only say I try to be, you know? (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, Doug, thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be a part of it. And thanks so much for what you're doing. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.